we chosen few present ourselves here to adore the child in our beautiful creche, uh, restored and adorned in honor of the tiny child, warmed by the breath of an ox and an ass, adored by shepherds, by his parents, and soon by the, by the magi, the wise men. Isn't it interesting, though, that the Gospels don't mention the ox and the ass. They're in every single one. They're always in the, in the crush. But they're never mentioned. They're the only ones in the Gospels who, who aren't specifically pointed out. Where'd they come from? We know the, the crush in this form, at least, first took shape under Francis, Francis of Assisi, formed uh, a little, I don't know, diorama because he wanted his friends and his, and his associates to, to grasp and see and really, really have a sense of the, the, the hardship, the poverty that was involved in God's entry into his creation as one of us, as the Messiah and into history. There is a, a, a mention of the ox and the ass in the scriptures. It's not in the Gospels, but it comes from the prophet Isaiah. And Francis, I think, was making this connection for us between this expectation and the, the promised Messiah and then how Jesus fulfills this, but in a surprising way. Prophet Isaiah says, the ox knows its owner. And the ass, its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people does not understand. So these animals, these animals represent the people who are humble enough, even outside the chosen few, right? Outside the covenant. Those who are unworldly enough those who have been forgotten, who nonetheless remember who God is, they know him, and have the humility to recognize him. That's what the ox and the ass stand for. And this new covenant, they represent the new people of God, not just Israelites, but Gentiles as well. In other words, all of us, who at last have come to understand God's intention to save. That's us there. Beasts of burden, but who have their eyes opened. Who don't recognize the Lord. There's plenty of them. The Gospels talk about Herod, the powerful, those who are in palaces, all too comfortable, safely installed there in their soft garments. We know the clever and the, the knowledgeable aren't there. All the scholars of the law and of the scriptures, not a single one. We know there are many in our time who do not recognize the presence of God and his saving intention in this little crush in the child, the son. I think most of our experience of Christmas, I mean, 
within without the church is always, I think, in common in our culture. It's a, it's a big meal, or several big meals. It's some time off. It's an exchange of gifts. All good things. Great things. Fun things. They're things to look forward to. They, bring, they, they charm our lives. They give us a, a sense of, of a break, of relaxation, of meaning and purpose behind the things that we do week in and week out of our lives. But of course, that's not the source of our joy. That doesn't last. As soon as the food coma wears off or the buzz, we're back right to where we started, right? That's not our joy. That's not, where we, that's not what we hope for. That's not what we live for. We know, we know where our joy comes from. We've experienced where true joy, lasting joy, comes from. That's why we're here. That's why we're here to celebrate. Because there's something more here than anything that you and I produce for ourselves. That we get together and say, let's have a party. (laughs) Which is fine. It's great. I love parties. We all do. But there's something more here. What is that something more? What is the source of Christmas joy? Well, we know the story. We know the story because this is part of a long arc that starts right at the beginning. Mary, Mary is a new Eve because the first Eve, well, put us in a situation where we became broken by sin. Adam and Eve introduced, abusing their freedom, introduced disobedience into the world. We all feel that. We all feel the effects of that, don't we? We see how Christmas really confronts us with the reality that humankind is in that state of of sinfulness, brokenness, separation from God. Right? We're given a Savior, and we don't need a Savior if we're fine. The Savior is here to save us from something. And we all, I think, intuitively just know what that is. This year, right? This is what we all have been talking about. Can't wait till 2020 is over, because we see it, we feel it. It was a disappointing year, frustrating year. A lot of bitterness. A lot of accusation, a lot of division, Right? We're all ready to forget about that and move on. Rightfully so. Right? Let's, let's start over. And yes, there were good things. Of course there were good things. There's always things to be grateful for in the midst of this. But we know we're not what we could be. We're not what we should be. As a people, as a, as a nation, as a, as, a, as a human race. We make progress, but then we fall back. We can't sustain it. And if we just forget about what happened and try to pretend it didn't happen and move on to the next time, nothing's changed. We can't just pretend it's over. Nothing will be different. We try our best to fix the problems that we face, but I think there is a sense, man, we cannot fix it ourselves. We need a Savior. We need someone to help us. You see, that, that is the source of our joy. Because that prayer is answered. I also believe 
When we realize that together, we can't fix ourselves. We're stuck in this brokenness and in this separation from God. And we need his help. We need him to say this. When we say that together, I think that's the only thing that really does bring us together and keep us that way. That's something we all have in common. We all share it. We may disagree about what the best way forward is or what the first step is, but there's great unity and compassion and peace in being able to say together, come and save us. We need a savior. And only this allows us to really hear the joyful Christian claim, to receive it, that God himself, God himself offers us that salvation by coming to live among us, to to drop the justice that we're longing for right down in the middle of us, in his own person. We can't save ourselves, but God has come and is coming to save us. There is joy there. There is real joy there. And when we, di- when we discover others who have received that, who have heard it, who have accepted it, and have put their hope, hope in it, there is real family bonds that are created. Do you get it? Do you get it? Yes, we get it. We know it. We've heard this song from on high. We've heard the words of the angel, I bring you good news of a great joy which will come to all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior. Christ, the Anointed One, the Lord. And if you don't know that Savior, you don't know joy. That's the secret of our faith. Once you come to know Him, so much opens, so much hope in the midst of suffering and disappointment and frustration. That allows us to persevere and to find brotherhood in the midst of difficulty and division. This is the source of our joy that we return to year after year. We have to. Thank God we get to come back here every year and gather around the crib and and be reminded in the midst of of our frustrations and our challenges and our divisions, there is hope. I bring you good news of a great joy. Yes, we take time off. Yes, we eat a lot, too much. Yes, we give one another gifts. But we don't forget where our master's crib is found, oxen that we are. And so too, it's a chance for us to to ask ourselves, am I too distant from the crib? Have I stayed too far? Have I refused to draw near like the ox and the ass to recognize and understand? Or are we too comfortably installed in our little palaces? Are we too comfortable in our soft garments? Are we too clever to pay too much attention to this little group of shepherds and and poor travelers? So our goodwill and our prayers for peace which we lift up in good faith on behalf of ourselves and of the whole world. They have their source in that crib and they have their goal in that crib. This tiny child, God's son, our savior.
is born for us. Come, let us adore him, oxen and asses that we are, and find the source of our joy that can never be taken. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.